Welcome. You've joined the Hedonism Show with Carol and David, broadcasting live from the world's most iconic adult playground Hedonism 2 on Negril Beach in Jamaica. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Hedonism Show. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. We're Carol and David. Welcome to the Hedonism Show, broadcasting on location at Hedo 2 on the Grill Beach in Jamaica. Hedo 2 is the world's most iconic adult playground and all-inclusive paradise where you can turn your fantasies into reality. And boy, have we sure turned a lot of our fantasies into realities at Hedo 2. It's the sexiest place on earth where you can get wicked for a week or be as mild or as wild as you like. The Hedonism Show is all about the pursuit of pleasure. And as usual, we'll be talking about sex, sexuality, relationships, and all the ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Absolutely. So you've heard it all year, and this is it. With the celebrations of the 40th anniversary of Hedo 2 upon us, we are diving deeper into the history of the world's most iconic adult playground. On today's show, we get to chat with the guest who has spent the most days at Hedonism over the past 40 years, who has met and remembers every one of the general managers and executive chefs, and who has become one of Harry's most trusted friends and allies, as he strolls down memory lane, sharing stories about the resort, the staff, the community, and of course, about Harry himself. Absolutely. Our show is chock-a-block full today. Listen to the whole thing right to the end. We're going to get some of those down, deep, dirty, sexy, naughty stories all about Harry a little bit later on. But first, we want to take a minute to talk about our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with having to sleep in the wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils and silicone lubes to other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely buy on Amazon. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and order yours today. Great sex starts now. It sure does. So does today's show. This is the Hedonism Show. We are Carol and David, and we are like a little bit um, thrilled, taken aback to have um, the one and the only Howard with us today. Um, and he's going to share a lot of that Jamaican vibe with you. So, Howard, welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Well, my day isn't that busy, but thanks for having me. Uh, good to be retired, as I said. I just got up from my nap, so I'm all ready for you. Yay, that's great. So, listen, you're the one with the record of the number of days at Hedo. How many times have you been to Hedo, and how many days have you been at the resort? Harry has an idea how many days I have. I have no clue. But I've been there about 127 times. Wow, that is a lot. And you started going way back when, when it was still called Negril Beach Village? That's correct. Yeah, that was in 1980, my first trip there. And how old and were you my at that? First trip, after my first trip there, I thought it might be my last trip there. <laughs> uh, Negril Beach Village was just completely not what I expected. Uh, the food was the most unedible thing you ever want to taste in your life. Apparently, the chef there wasn't a chef. He was a card player. Uh -huh. And they needed somebody to run the kitchen, and I guess they hired him to do it. But he spent more time playing cards than he did making making up a menu. <laughs> uh, least, food least, was really, really bad. But at least there was something to eat. You know, we had Charlie and Wendy on the show, who Charlie's been back, um, goes back to the same era as you. And he was telling us, like, at the time, there was barely any electricity, and uh, service was almost non-existent. <laughs> well, that's uh, true. You could count on the fact that the electricity would go out at least once a day. If you went into the rooms, which were pretty dingy, there was a uh, chest of drawers in there. And on the top, uh, the top drawer, there was a uh, candle mm -hmm. and a Gideon Bible. <laughs> I understood the candle, but I didn't understand <laughs> the Gideon Bible. But the, the rooms were pretty dingy. Uh, I believe that the Grilby Village opened up in 1975. And it was opened up by three gentlemen who 
went into business together. Frank Rents, uh, Tony Ferrara, and uh, Issa. And uh, the three of them put their money together. They opened up the resort. And in 1980, they decided they were going to switch over. Uh, Frank Rents was the general manager at the time. Uh, they switched over to Hito 2 in 1981. And uh, Tony Ferrara was the first GM that took over. So the owners were pretty intimately involved. It, it was a cash cow. There was right. no doubt about right. it. Now, obviously, you chose to go there. Had you heard anything about it? And how did you find a place like this? I had a friend who was a travel agent, and I just told her I wanted something different. And she opened up the brochure, and voila, there it was. Nude Beach, uh, crazy place. And, of course, even then, they used hedonistic as part of their uh, advertising. Right. And how old? So I thought it would be fun. How old were you at the time, Howard? Oh, God. (laughs) I'm not sure I can count that far back, (laughs) but I was definitely in my 30s. And did you go alone or with friends? No, I went with uh, friends. Mm -hmm. And had they been Uh, there before? No. 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 Actually, the year before... Well, let me explain a little bit about the history. Sure. In 1980, we uh, all met down at uh, Hedonism 2, and I uh, Negril Beach Village, but I refused to go back there because it was so bad. Uh, my first trip there, I just stripped off my clothes, ran into the water, and stepped on a sea urchin. Oh my goodness! So that was my that was my welcome. Uh, when we were going to go back all together the following year, I we went to couples. And we went to Couples and Ocho Rios. We lasted there about a day and a half. Uh-huh. And then we transferred back to Hito, and that's when we found out that they changed into an all-inclusive. Right, right, right. Uh, in the old days, you needed shark's teeth to buy drinks, <laughs> mm-hmm. cigarettes on the bar. Now, uh, I, I heard that. You had a necklace with shark's teeth and you had to use to pay for the drinks or exchange for the drinks, that's right? That's correct. You, yeah. you, you had to buy shark's teeth. That is funny. In wow. fact, on some of the advertising that I've just gotten from some of the guests, you can see the shark states around the neck. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's so much fun. So, like, bring us back to that era. Like, describe what you would do during the day, what it was like, what the people were like, what the parties were like. Just take us back there. Well, it's interesting to compare it to today because when we went down there, everybody was on the beach all day. You know, we didn't care if the rooms were uh, a hatched hut. We didn't care at all. We were just outside. The eating was outside. They had beach parties. Um, the activity was mostly the camaraderie between guests. And uh, the guests still make up the place, but it was a lot different then because the whole atmosphere was different. When they changed over to Hito 2, apparently the uh, Grill Beach Village was pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to have a bulletin board that, showed what kind of sex was going on in each room. Uh, so people checked the bulletin board and then they took off. But that was put to an end when it changed the Hito too. They tried to mellow it out a little bit. And that's when they brought Sam James in to do it. And Sam was uh I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, keep going, Howard. So in the early days the uh, you know where the point is at Yep. You know, in the grill. Well the point to its furthest point was actually the nude beach. Oh. So so you used to have to lug these heavy shades lounges all the way to the end where there was little coves. And if you wanted a drink, you had to go all the way up to the Prude Beach because there was nothing down there. Okay. Uh, a lot of goats on the property. Goats and, uh, just walking we, around? We, excuse me? Or the goats were just walking around, eating the grass? Just walking around. Uh. Just walking around. Huh. Many times you wondered if that was your dinner. Oh, <laughs> but uh, there was no hot tub. There was no bar down there. Uh, eventually, what they did is they set up a little hut so you didn't have to walk all the way down to the Prude Beach. But the camaraderie was a lot different. You just got to know everybody. Cool. Uh, you bumped into everybody. There were At the time, there was really one, I think there was one group at the time. And uh, it was fun. It was fun. I just kept going back. So, Howard, you you talked about the people, and the people still are what make up Hito and why people go back to Hito. But describe a little bit the type of people there. You said you went there. uh, You 
took off your shorts, you went underwater naked. Um, was there single women? Were there couples? Um, and were they what? all young people? Yeah, there was, at the time, I was even young. There were a lot of young people there. There was a lot of singles there, uh, a lot of males from New York there. Uh, there wasn't a lot of single women there. Was there couples? It, it was a lot, a lot of couples. Okay. Yes, a lot of couples. But the philosophy was in, was different then. I, People I, really didn't go for swinging at the time. They went to enjoy themselves. A party if place. The other stuff. The other stuff happened. It happened. Okay. But uh, it wasn't. It was a lot different than it is today. It wasn't so overt. Uh, there's more things happening out in the open today than there ever was. Right, right, right. I bet you there was also a lot more pubic hair back then. <laughs> I would say probably yes. <laughs> That's funny. But it was, a, it was a lot of fun. They had a lot of activity on the beach. Uh, it was The coordinators were a lot different, too, because the entertain today it's all entertainment. And they're good entertainers. Uh, in those days, they were personalities. Right. And the personalities knew how to bring everybody together. So it was a whole different philosophy in the early days. But it was still I hope cool. I'm answering your questions. Yeah. Because now you're making me think back, and uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely cool. So the uh, the coordinators that coordinated the activities on the beach, they were out there right with you and partying and having fun, too. Oh, they were great. Yeah. My favorite down at that time, and I hope he listens is Cornell Manning. He's mm-hmm. up in Toronto now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cornell was just a great entertainer and a great personality. In fact, he's one of the two people that invited down to Hito for the anniversary. Nice. Uh, he was just superb. Uh, and the, they, the coordinators just kept turning over and turning over with a couple. Cool. Except for a couple, because obviously if they had entertainment, they were drawn out of the hotel mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, they would entertain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a whole different philosophy then. Nice. So so we talked about, you know, it went from the Grill Beach Village to Hito 2. Now, I know there's millions of people out there who want to know what happened to Hito 1. There was none. Ha-ha, we knew that. There never was a Hito one. No, that's um, that's something that everybody asked. But I, I heard, my story that I heard, and I think it was different from the one that David heard, was that in order to uh, like brand the name hedonism, which is it's a word, it wasn't really possible to take to make that a brand. So hedonism 2 was added so it be, could become a brand. Right. Harry told us that they made it Hito 2 because um, everything was into sequels and one after the other, and they didn't want it to be like, well, this is the, the newest, the oh, first. Oh, oh. So it's ah. it's Hito 2. Okay. Now I've learned something. Yeah. And even if I've it was the, if Negril Beach Village was the, you know, the Hito one, this is the next version, right, which next you said version. was calmed yeah. down and right. it was a little bit different, a little bit more, a yeah, different the, philosophy. The other thing, too, is they, they use hedonism in a lot of their hedonistic and a lot of their advertising. So I could see, too, that they would probably add two to it just to continue right. it on. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I'll find out a definite reason for you. <laughs> That's so I'm still fr- I'm friends with the daughter of one of the original owners. Oh. So I'll actually get in touch with her. Wow. That's very cool. No, I was going to say she just got I'm trying to remember the name of the group. Oh, she got to meet the Bon Jovi. He was down there one year. Oh, cool. And uh, she actually sent me a picture with uh, her with the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ad hedonism? So, yeah, wow. yeah. He didn't entertain there, but he certainly uh, made an impact. He was there with his group for a week. Perfect. Wow, wow. So over the years, there's been many different general managers who have changed the look and the feel of the resort. Let's review the history based on the general managers. And you mentioned already Tony Ferrara. He's the one who started. Um, did right. he make any significant changes when it turned over to be Hedonism Two, and he took over? Well, they made, yeah, they made it all inclusive. Okay, that was the main uh, change? Yeah, that was the only change. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they put new candles in the room. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, the only change was that uh, they no longer had the bulletin board. And uh, it was uh, all-inclusive. So you didn't need, you didn't need uh, shark's, teeth. shark's teeth anymore. But they still had cigarettes on the bar. And the, the bartenders were great. Everybody was friendly. No, so there really wasn't much of a change. So what is one of your memories from back in Tony's era that comes to mind quickly? 
stepping on a sea urchin yeah. my first time in the water. Uh, Not something sexy, something partyish. You know, the sea urchin is like an ouchie. It it was different then. It was it was so different. It was unbelievable because everything was. Wow, you should have been here five minutes ago. You just missed what was going on. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> I don't know if it still goes on there, but uh, I'd walk into the uh, pool and then somebody would say to me, man, you just missed it. I said, what was going on? All these people were having sex on the side. Well, I guess it's no big deal anymore. But uh, at the time, it was all exciting. For sure. But it seemed like I always missed it. Uh, <laughs> the... I think the most obvious thing was when people were having sex in the room, they left the door open. Right. You know, still happens. obviously the, they wanted people to come in and join them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and watch. I stood there and watched. I stood there and watched. Sure. It got boring though. After an hour, I had to leave. <laughs> After an hour. Yeah. I think, I think we're guilty of keeping our yes. door open at Hito. We like uh, having people uh, just look <laughs> in and uh, ask and they join. So, um, Howard, you, you had mentioned Sam James who, who Sam James, who came in a little bit later to calm the place down. What needed calming down? Sam James was brought in to just change the whole complexion of the resort a little bit, to calm it down, because it had a pretty wild reputation at the time. And uh, Sam came in, and he made people wear clothing to dinner at night, including the coordinators. They had to look respectable. Uh, you couldn't wear crazy outfits. Of course, on toga night it didn't matter right but up to that point everything had to be a little more respectable around the dining room you know what what went on in the beach he really didn't care but what was obvious to most people he just calmed it down sam was an interesting guy because he um was the manager of the hotel i think it was in st louis do you remember when the roof fell in in a hotel in st louis back in the early days you guys are too young to yeah remember. maybe <laughs> Uh, so Sam was a troubleshooter for uh, his company, and um, he was with the Hyatt. So Sam knew what amenity, amenities were. He knew how to associate with guests. He knew how to take care of guests. And now that's very important, too, because that's what I saw, one of the things lacking recently, that the general managers didn't really interact with the uh, with the guests at right. the hotel. Absolutely. Right. Which is important to understand them. If you understand your client, then you can actually provide a better service. And if you don't understand what this open-minded, swinging lifestyle is all about, then maybe you need someone to explain it. Right. But I want to go back to the entertainment staff because I just heard Howard say that the ECs, the entertainment uh, crew, um, were naked with you on the beach. Now, we know now... No, they were naked on the beach. They were naked in the dining room? No. No, they were naked anywhere. Oh. Maybe I said something incorrectly, <laughs> but they made. But what he did is he made him dress up. Oh, dress oh, up. Dress up. Okay. Naked. I get it. Yeah. Now, they couldn't be naked on the beach. No. Okay. He did have rules. Now we know we know that the uh, entertainment staff are not allowed playing, um, get, going into guest rooms. Now, were they allowed um, having sex with the guests back then? <laughs> You're making me give away secrets. <laughs> Uh, don't have to name any names (laughs) no they couldn't they couldn't but they did Uh, yeah they did and even now they do but they won't admit it right right Uh, well you know hey you know you go into a candy store eat the candy you want to buy candy yeah Yeah. you hang around with these people all day you want to participate yeah but i won't mention any names but they did fool around the early days and you know i put things on the door to let people know that they have somebody in the room mm-hmm. uh there were a couple heavy hitters there that had good time now did these entertainers did they have a stage did they have a show every night like they do today uh today no no i i can actually go through the whole thing sunday nights they had a entertainment they bring somebody in roots explosion was the band then wow uh the lead singer for roots explosion is one of their weekly entertainers there and mm-hmm. you know i'm 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 tr- losing names but i'll come back to me uh then on uh tuesday night they had a guy by the name of bunny neal yeah he was a comedian he was both a magician and he was a hypnotist oh. and if you go on that site that i have i just posted a whole article on him because he was the first black comedian entertainer in jamaica huh. so right. big time well, it's my site. Uh, you have to ask to be put on it 
It's called Whatever Happened in the Grill Beach Village. Mm. I think I put you guys on it. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm pretty sure you did. If I didn't, just send me a message and I'll sure, get you we'll on have it. a look, definitely. It, it showed pictures of the early days at Hedonism. Mm. You know, wow. uh, the, front, the front of the hotel. Um, the early days, still, you're making me remember things. They had uh, Moon Hill and a group called the Bubbly Bears, and I'll go into them a little bit later. Uh, they put up a sign that said Moon Hill, and every time somebody left the hotel, you know, they mooned everybody. Right. That's Moon so Hill fun. is still there. The, the well, funny story is that uh, one day a whole bunch of people went out to moon everybody, and they did. They mooned yeah. everybody. <laughs> and then as the bus went by, they realized it was a bus picking people up to go to the church. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's hilarious. They were a little embarrassed. <laughs> Slightly. Oh you my. asked me a question about the groups, too, you know, if they came over from Edo 3. The early group at Hedonism, when it, after it changed over, was a group called the Outrageous Group. Mm-hmm. And it, it was headed by a lawyer from Minnesota or something. And it was a pretty good-sized group. They had shirts. And then there was a group called the Turtles. Now, historically, the Turtles are a national group. And there was a guy by the name of uh, Captain Bob who ran the group. He was from Toronto. And um, they had a lot of people. Uh, in the group. You had to answer three questions to get in the group. Basically, <laughs> what there were is a bunch of people to get together and they were nude on the beach. But they had act- individual activities too. The big thing then was the pajama party. Mm. Uh, you know, today they don't do too much with it, but in those days, the pajama party was in the disco. Okay. And it was a challenge between groups. The outfits were unbelievable. Ah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. They gave nice prizes away. And the outrageous group always competed with everybody else. Uh, then there was a, a group called the Flaming Flamingos. They were out of uh, Florida. And they were put together by uh, Go Classic Tours. Because mm-hmm. there was two people that were the original travel agents that worked with Hedonism. That was uh, AJ and Jenny Hutchinson. Now, their daughter is still active, but right. uh, these two were around all the time. They just brought tons of people in. They were a lot of fun people. Cool. I'll let you ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when at this particular time when we had all the ECs there, you were saying the entertainment was a little bit different. They didn't actually entertain at night, but you had outside entertainers. You had a magician and um, um, a hypnotist. What else did you have? They had singers come in. Uh, they had a Jamaican dance group come in. They have the uh, bands come in. They, they had a, some of the stuff they have today, but uh, it was just different. It, it wasn't every night that the coordinators were entertaining. Right, right. And, you know, and, also, and also, you mentioned the disco, the pajama part. Is it the same disco that's there today, the same building? Same disco, but the disco was hot then. Oh, I see. You know, yeah. they were in the, in the early hours, it was definitely roaring was good right. they had a good dj uh and uh, it was a lot of fun they didn't stay up all night some people did but uh, it was a pretty hot place to be and it was a lot of fun cool very cool that's where a lot of the crazy sex went on during the floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah not on the floor around the floor right 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 all right, and then um, the, I guess the next GM was run by uh, when the was when it switched to being run by super clubs. Tell us what changed during the super clubs era. The next uh, the next uh, general manager was Gary Williams. Gary Williams had been a manager oh. with one of the other super club hotels out in Ocho Rios, and uh, he came in there. Unfortunately, Gary, after his first couple of weeks, uh, one of the hurricanes hit. I think it was Gilbert. And it ripped the heck out of the place. So that was Gary's welcome. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter. That was his welcome to hedonism, too. Mm-hmm. So Gary spent the next couple months trying to straighten out the place. Uh, the uh, hurricane really tore into the hotel. It doesn't but, often get hit by tornadoes or hurricanes. Um, what happened uh, that year? It was in the path. It, well, they had two. I'm trying to remember the name of the second one. But Gilbert was the big one. Okay. And... Gilbert really devastated the island because there were a lot of, you know, wooden huts and stuff. So a lot of it got torn down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're right. Most of the time, the hurricanes miss the island. Mm-hmm. 
So in in my experience, there's only bad two of really bad two hurricanes. Wow. Okay. Cool. So now I guess it's time for Joseph Smith, who was when it switched to Super Clubs. But Joseph uh, was a very mellow guy. He he had a lot of different activities in the hotel. He was a resident manager. He was a supervisor. He was a real mellow guy and a really great guy. And uh, he did a good job. Unfortunately, he went through a traumatic time because that was the first time that they decided they were going to upgrade the hotel. Oh. And, of course, they tried to upgrade it during the uh, anniversary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the whole the whole area where uh, now <clears throat> where uh, the uh, squash court used to be. Yeah. It was a detour to get to the uh, main dining room. You couldn't go up the pathway. So, of course, we had a lot of rain, and historically it always rains at anniversary, and it was all mud. So there were a lot of very unhappy women that were walking through the mud. Right, no kidding. Plus there was a lot of noise in the morning because I started at 8 8 Mm o'clock. So it, it was a very unusual uh, anniversary. So, and so, it was still during the time. It was still during the time where it always rained on anniversary. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we're getting a lot into the property, the resort, and all that stuff. But one thing we haven't touched so far is swinging. So, when did the resort, um, you know, really start embracing swinging? We know it's it's not only about swinging going to hedonism. But um, when Super Club started, was there more guests swinging than when you first started versus today? No, not not. It wasn't obvious, as I mentioned before. Uh, it really became more prevalent when Harry took over because mm-hmm. that's what Harry wanted. He, right. he wanted a wild place. Uh, up to that point, there was a lot going on, but it wasn't totally accepted. I mean, if things went on at the pool uh the security would come over and break it up, especially oh. at night in the hot tub. Oh. So the answer to your question was they tried to keep it as low level as possible. So this but, just, uh, just one yeah. sec. So, so you know, Harry's had the place for about eight years now, right? Yeah. But we've been yeah. going to Hito for nine, 10, 11 years. And when we um, were going there for the first time, there was a lot of orgies and, and sex going on at the pool and people um, in the hot tub. Um, so I, I think that era, um, at the end of Super Clubs, um, people um, with the groups, when Hito 3 closed, um, started getting a lot more rambunctious. But you remember when we were playing they, in the They did. Pool. You're absolutely right. But the thing is, it's not the way it is today. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. You know, it, yeah. It, was, it was a lot more mellow than those days. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story that uh, actually it was in uh, the book on, on hedonism. Uh, there were two girls having sex together on the side of the pool, and one of them was really, really pretty. And I walked up to her, and I said to her, would you kiss me? She said, well, why? So she kissed me. I said, oh, now I had sex with the other girl by proxy. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, there were there were things going on. You're absolutely right. Uh, I saw orgies in the early days, but it wasn't as prevalent as it was today. Mm. You know? People have the wrong concept, and I know you don't, but a lot of people have a, the concept that Hito is a swinging place. Well, yeah, you can be a swinger, but the reality is only 25% of the hotel, maybe 30%, is full of swingers. There's probably another 25% that want to be, and, 50, and a high percentage of them come down just to camaraderie and be naked right. on the beach. For Absolutely. sure. But, For sure. Uh, yeah, what but I was... Harry, Sorry. Harry wants it built up yeah that's what he likes he likes the excitement yeah what i was going to say was in the uh in the past when we uh i think when we first started going there remember we were having a a mini orgy in the evening over in the prude side which just started organically and we got tapped on the shoulder to take it over to the nude side so it's very possible that you know they just wanted to keep some areas for sure sex free and the other areas it was okay to do whatever you wanted yeah but we didn't and we kept going (laughs) we were rebels it all depended on who the general manager was. Yes, probably. You're right. All right. That's, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so you were telling us that Richard Burke is another one of your favorite GMs, and he was pro-sex. So I'm not telling you who my favorites are because I still know all the guys. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, I will say that Richard has been a friend of mine for years and years and years. Uh, Richard and 
by guys like Barrett, Gary. They're very unique because they're real people person, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard just loved people. You know, he'd come out and sit down with them at lunchtime. He'd sit down with them at dinner. And Richard liked the excitement of the place. Unfortunately, super clubs started getting stingy with their money in those days. Mm-hmm. So what was happening is that uh, the general managers had all these great ideas, but they didn't have the funds to supply them. Right. So, but Richard was Richard was terrific too. You're right, but I'm not going to commit to who my favorite. (laughs) Okay, no problem. Um, So, listen, when Kevin Levy took over, he was the GM, I think, for the longest time. I think, right? And he managed Tito during the Super Clubs era, and just before Kevin. uh, Kevin was before Richard Burke. Okay. Uh, Kevin stayed there until Hito Three opened up, and then he went over to Hito Three, and then. when they closed down Hedo 3, Richard Burke got sent over to Starfish, and Kevin was brought back to Hedo. Okay. So he would, but, so, but with the two stints that he did, I think he was still one of the longest reigning general managers. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. he did this eight years with Harry, too. Right, exactly. Plus, he had two runs with Super Club also. Yeah. So he, had, he knew the club when it was Super Clubs, and he knew it when Harry was running it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then what happened when Super Club stopped investing in the property and things started kind of re- retracting back to those early days where water, <laughs> water and electricity well, were scarce? And This was the amazing thing about the hotel, because as bad as the hotel got, as bad as the food got, as bad as the accommodations got, the number of people that were attending was sky high. Right. I mean, they, for... Uh, February week during Valentine's Day, they could be overbooked 50 rooms. Wow. And uh, I remember once that Sam James, Kevin was the front desk manager at the time, and Sam really believed in his help. He thought, you know, if you don't have good help, you're not going to be a success. Well, they were 50 rooms overbooked, and I remember him walking up to Kevin and saying, you overbooked? Kevin said, yeah, 50 rooms. He says, well, you know what? I'm going home. Don't call me if you have any problems. <laughs> well, what if we have a fire here? He says, call the fire department. <laughs> you know, but Sam had a lot of confidence in his staff, Very but they cool. were overbooked constantly. So listen, after the break, we're going to get into the resort after 2013 when Harry Lang bought it from Super Clubs. But right now, uh, we just want to remind everybody that this is the Hedonism Show. We are Carol and David, and we're having an amazing discussion with Howard all about the history of hedonism. We just need to take a break and shout out to our show sponsors, so stay right there. All right, let's talk about hedonism too. I know we've been talking about it the whole show. We've been talking about it the whole year. It's the 40th anniversary, and it's definitely one of our favorite places to hang naked on the beach. It is the sexiest place on earth where you can be as mild or as wild as you like. And as you've heard, you know, we're so excited about the 40th anniversary. It's happening right now. Um, For more information about this, you've obviously missed the 40th anniversary, but there's a lot more events coming up in the uh, rest of the year and upcoming into 2022. So for all those um, events and more information, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com, click on the Hedo link where you can book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And of course, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, you can go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 to get your first month free. So check it out. Absolutely. All right, we are Carol and David. This is the Hedonism Show, and we are having a great discussion with Howard all about the history of Hedo 2 on the Grill Beach in Jamaica. So, Howard, um, when Harry bought the resort, Kevin was still the general manager, and um, they made a lot of changes to the infrastructure and renovated the rooms, and they upgraded the kitchen. But we're not going to get into that right now. Let's talk about the other changes um, that happened at Hedo. Harry has told us on the other shows about Hedo's history, um, about you know all the different things that happened when he took over. So let's start talking about the first thing that happened with the staff as soon as Harry bought the resort. Okay. Uh, can I just give a little bit of background? I don't know if it's been brought up before, but Harry was a member of the, of the uh, Fluffernutters. Right. And when they found out that the hotel was being sold, they were worried that it was going to be sold and made into a family resort like the Royalton is. Mm-hmm. 
So John Gruss got together apparently with Harry, found out somehow that Harry had the money to do it. And they negotiated and uh, they finally bought the hotel from the ISIS. Okay, mm-hmm. got raked under the coals a little bit, but they bought the hotel. When Harry took over, they announced it in November. And it, by the way, that's going to be the new anniversary date sometime in November. Uh, they took it over and they had a, they waited till they took over the whole hotel and then they had to cut corners. Uh, apparently, Kevin held on to some people that really shouldn't have been there, but he held on to them so they could get part of the buyout when Super Club sold out. So a lot of the people got their money, but then Kevin had to, had to cut corners a little bit. And what he did is he got rid of most of the supervisors that were redundant. A lot of people had, you know, jobs that were already performed by somebody else. And he didn't get rid of very much staff, though, but it was most of the upper echelon that he got rid of. Uh, but, you know, you take over a new business, it happens. Yeah. It happens. You have to cut corners. You have to find out what you need. Super clubs just kept hiring people and not putting money into the hotel. Well, Harry had to put money into the hotel. Right. So the next thing he did is they had to re- redo some of the rooms. So they took the uh, some of the rooms along the beach and they made them into uh, uh, five. They tried to make them into five star hotel rooms. And. Uh, they had nice bathrooms, which the Millenniums wanted. The bottom line is he had to gear it more to the Millennium generation. Right. I brought I brought it up before that we didn't care about the rooms. Right. Well, as the Millenniums came in, they cared about the rooms. Sure. But most of the people stuck around. I mean, people like Jeffrey, uh, who is one of the supervisors? Hmm, he's been at Hito. He's been at Hito since the beginning. Yes, he has. So he knew the hotel well. They kept the people that knew the hotel very, very well. Right. So, so Kevin so, was very fair in who he let go. So you you've mentioned many, many times about Harry and his vision. Tell us a little bit. I mean, you're you're good friends with Harry. We're going to talk about Harry and his girlfriends in, in, in a few minutes. But just tell us a little bit about Harry's vision for the hedonism experience and and what he wants the resort to turn into. All right, Harry. Harry bought the resort because he didn't want it to change. And what Harry liked, he liked the excitement of the resort. He liked the loud music. He liked the sex in the pool. You know, he he uh, liked it when people had a good time. Uh, you people got to know Harry. Harry has a heart of gold. He does. And, you know, he's a soft touch. I mean, he loves people. So he just wanted people to have a good time there. And uh, so his vision for the hotel was to make it into, you know, whatever you wanted. If you wanted to go there as a swinging resort, it was available to you. If you wanted to go there as a nudist resort, it was available to you. You do what you want, just like in the old days. But the uh, public display of affection was a little more prominent now than it ever has been. Not a little bit, a lot more. (laughs) And then what happened is some of the groups started coming in. And the groups are gearing themselves to this type of activity. Mm -hmm. I mean, John Gross... uh, Definitely geared his group to, to uh, sex. Uh, then came in uh, other groups like the Dirty Pervs, uh, like Rachel's Rascals. They all have a different uh, code by which they go to. But the bottom line with some of the groups, it's they're sexual groups. They try to bring that sexual energy to the hotel, and that's what Harry wants. That's his vision, right? And he put and he and he put a um, a small playroom near the hot tub. And he turned the spa well, in the evening into a playroom. Well, they they had the they have the playroom and the spa, as you know. And uh, problem is, if it rains, there's no playroom there, <laughs> right? And then they built the playroom on the beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting that happened there is Harry was in the playroom one day with a woman, and. Uh, one of the people from Topless Travel was bringing a group of people in to see the playroom. They found out was Harry was in there, and they stood outside and waited. Then finally Harry came out, and they got a standing ovation for about <laughs> 20 people. That's so fun. So, I've seen that. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. He gets he gets to use his playroom very often. We have seen it every time. Many times, sometimes in an afternoon. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, many times. But uh, again, you know, he his vision is being fulfilled. He's doing what he wants to do, and he's happy to put the money into it. Hey, look, he's one person that made it through COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a corporation, so he made it through COVID pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. And it all came out of his pocket and the hotel pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we helped a little bit. We raised some money for the employees. I don't know if you knew what we did for them, but we love the employees so much that one of the guys started uh, raising money on Go uh, Fund Me. And uh, so happened he was a frontline worker, and he raised about five or six thousand dollars. So nice. And uh, I saw what was happening, so I asked him if it was okay if I helped out, and he said yeah. So we ended up raising over fifty thousand wow. dollars for the employees. Wow! So we bought them food with the money and everything, and they had probably three or four times where food was bought for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Harry said, that's enough. I'll take over from now on. Oh, cool. Very loves very his cool. employees. Yeah. yeah. Loves his employees. Loves his girlfriends. Loves his employees. Yeah. Uh, he, he just makes the best of it. All right. You know, he shows everybody that the resort is what you want to make of it. Yeah. Okay. He has a ball. We, we've mentioned it many times. Anybody who's been to Hero, who's met Harry, knows about his girls. Howard, I'm going to give you the floor. Tell us about <laughs> Harry, his girls. Um, and, and we want a couple of stories of things that, um, you know, people don't know about. But, I mean, Carol and I spent 89 days there with him this winter. And we met many of his we girls. We met many of them. There was girls who showed up when he didn't even know they were coming. But tell us a little bit about your history with Harry and his girls. All right. Uh, it wasn't Harry who became my first friend. It was his sister-in-law and his brother. Uh, Diane, who's now the acting general manager And his brother Richard and I became very close friends at an election one year back in 2016. I had known Harry. Harry and I spent a little time together. But uh, I got to know Harry very well through his sister-in-law and his brother. Harry is very interesting because when Harry first started, uh, you know, we'd say hello. uh, But it was always one girl there. They'd be there for three or four days. They'd go home. Three or four days later, somebody else would come in. Then all of a sudden, there was two girls. <laughs> and they'd stay three or four days, and then they'd go home. Well, Harry's done it up to four women at a time. Yeah, We were there. And <laughs> what Harry does is he bought a couple units at, uh, point at the point. Mm-hmm. And what he does, he feeds the overflow up there. In fact, I stayed in one of his rooms once, and he... <laughs> he yelled at me. He says, where am I going to put my women? <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, he likes his women, you know. Uh, and they take treat- advantage of him. But he treats but he them like gold. He treats them like what gold. Was that? He treats them like treats gold. Them like, there isn't a person that treats with women nicer than Harry does. Absolutely. Every woman feels special. Mm-hmm. Every woman, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've seen him with a woman one night and then with a different woman the next night. And I know the other woman has to be jealous, but Harry tells it like it is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is what I want. He's had people come down there. They haven't fulfilled what he wanted and they don't bring him back. Right. Uh, right. But he never turns his back on him. He always stays in touch with him. Now, so li- you're right. He treats him like gold and he acts like gold. So how are Howard- crazy stuff? You want crazy stories about him? I'm never in the room with him. <laughs> but I will tell you one crazy story. It was our birthday. Harry and I got friendly because our birthdays are one day apart. Okay. And so we always celebrated our birthday together. In February. And 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 this year, we had a big party. There were like 40, 50 people there. We had it out in the dining room. And one of the girls brought me a present. She brought me a blue cock ring that was a candy cock ring. Okay. So she decided she was going to try it on me. Uh So she put it on me and she starts playing and this and that. And Harry comes in and looks and says, what's going on here? So I said, I'm trying to get out of here, Harry. (laughs) I mean, it was a blue cock ring and the stuff was all over the place. (laughs) So Harry comes in and says, I'll take care of this. He says, where are your condoms? So I said, I have none in here. Went and got his condom, and he 
while the girl was taking care of me, he took care of the girl. Oh, nice. nice. Very, very nice. That's nice. a lot of fun. So the the fun joke is that when we spent all that time at Hito and we spent a lot of time with Harry as well, but the fun joke is that um, they would say that he would check with Howard to see who his next girl is coming in because it's more like <laughs> Howard knew more than he did who his next girl was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the secret is that his sister-in-law, Diane, and Donna uh, used to give me the people that were coming in to help her keep track of them. Right. So it got to the point where Harry would just call me in and say, who's coming in next week? <laughs> and you know, then he'd say to, me, say to me, do you have a picture of this girl? I forgot what she looks like. <laughs> Howard, Howard, no joke. When we were there, we were saying, so Harry, who's coming in next week? He says, hang on a sec. I got to check with Howard. <laughs> and he, and he went on to, he went on to messenger. He, yeah. he sent you a message and you said, well, it's X coming and this coming. And then he said, Oh no, but I invited this one. <laughs> and then one got stuck at the airport and one couldn't get through customs. Oh. And Diane was uh, on top of it, on top of it. And we, you know, we have to shout out to Diane and Richard because, um, nobody knows how much they have done behind the scenes since Harry bought the place to make it what it is. And now Diane has taken on the added responsibility of acting general manager. But, you know, kudos to both Richard and Diane for being there and supporting um, Hito to um, where it is today. Now, uh, we have some some great um adventures that we've had with Harry because Harry does also travel. He goes on to the Bliss Cruise. He goes to Desire. He goes to Cap Dag. He goes to Europe. Right. And it just seems like everywhere we go, Harry is there with one of his girls. Right, for sure. <laughs> so we've had a lot of fun with Harry and his girls. And uh, he was serenading Carol and one of his girls on one of the cruise ships and singing. He's a great performer. He loves to dance. He loves to sing. And you can always find him in the piano bar. And one of the things that he brought to Hito was the wine bar. And you can find him there every night at 7 o'clock, Before just sitting dinner. there having some wine. And he's just one of the guys. Yeah. It's, you're absolutely right. I'm probably his only friend that doesn't drink wine. <laughs> oh, really? But I go in the wine bar and I drink my water. And I used to get thrown out of the wine bar because when the old person that was the manager there didn't like me. So if I wasn't buying wine, she used to throw me out. But uh, except if I was with Harry. Right. But right. Uh, I, I don't drink wine. My, my friends drink wine. So they're, we sit down and enjoy them. And, and when Diana Richard is there, we sit around. I don't know if you know what Richard does, but he brings Kool-Aid with him. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> and and super-duper Mountain Dew. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, he likes his Mountain Dew. So, <clears throat> yeah, Harry, Harry's quite a character. He's a good guy. So- uh, I'm tr- trying to think of other stories, but, you know, basically, I'm friends with Harry. Uh, we play tennis together. You know, we, we have lunch together. We have dinner together. We talk a lot. But, we never talk about business. We just talk about fun things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's just, yeah, he calls me when he needs to know who's coming. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> when we were there this winter, one of his regulars um, came in, and on the first night she was dancing, and she twisted her ankle really bad. And um, he ended up meeting a new one of his girls, and while they were there, he asked one of them to stay a little bit longer to take care of the girl who twisted her ankle because he had two other girls coming in that he had to take care of. So he had two of them on the beach. Um, they became very good friends. Getting actually. better, who became yeah. good friends. And yeah. Harry had two other people. And at the time, he had four girls there. Both rooms at the resort were full. The two he has at Point Village were full. And he was like, I need Howard. I need someone to help me with this stuff. <laughs> I'm okay. like a wingman for him sometimes because <laughs> I've actually fixed them up with three different women. And, you know, they're all wonderful people and they love Harry. Yeah. Uh, I think one of them was there. A couple of them were there while you were there. Yeah. But uh, they, uh, they, they just love him. I mean, they just keep coming in because he takes care of them. He, you know, he takes care of them more than just at the hotel, too. If they run into problems, he takes care of them. Uh, He's just just a nice guy. Yes. Uh, so Howard, Howard, um, you know, we're talking a lot about Harry. We talked about um, what everybody did during COVID to help the staff because the staff at Hedonism really make the guest experience. But there's something that you personally um, have as a legacy at Hedonism, which you do year over year over year, and it happens over Super Bowl weekend. How did that start? And tell us where the what you do with the money. 
NASCAR. And I actually do two things for the hotel. Uh, I started the Super Bowl because nobody was doing anything. They were putting up the game. People were watching the game. Well, we made it into a happening. I bring down the, the boxes. You know, we raised money for the uh, foundation. And uh, we, I think last year we raised about four or $500. I wasn't there last year, the year before. We and uh, all the proceeds go to the uh, foundation. Of course, you know we do. We give the people that win money too. Uh, that's how it happened, and it just got to be the point where they just expected me to do it every year. So I did. We ended up doing tailgate parties. We ended up fifty-fifty raffles, and it all went to the Hedonism Foundation. Harry was with us a couple times, uh, but Harry never gets to buy a box because he always comes out so late. <laughs> So what I do is I told them we need a, how much money we need because I bought boxes from him. They take his money and he has no boxes. <laughs> <laughs> One year he actually won twice and I didn't tell him. So I just put his money because he always re, he always gives the money of back. Course, anyway. yeah. Of course, we did yeah. the same um, thing. The other thing I do is I, Hedonism got to sponsor a reunion with me in New Jersey. So the week before Memorial Day, uh, I'm sorry, Labor Day, we have a reunion at uh, Gunderson Beach in New Jersey. And I put on a big party down there with the help of the hotel. And we've raised a lot of money. Uh, we've ra- Actually, we've raised thousands of dollars. Wow, nice. And then the Bubbly Bears, which I want to talk about too, uh, I've raised money through them too. So we put a lot of money into the foundation for things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the bubbly bears, if I may. Sure, absolutely. Is that okay? Yep. The bubbly the bubbly bears started back in the uh, late 80s by this Joyce Olrod, who was a travel agent. And she started, started with about eight couples. I was one of them. And what she did, she built the group into hundreds of people. So this was the oldest and biggest group that was at Hito. And they're still alive. They still work you know, they're still there every year. Last couple of years, they haven't been. But we're, they're coming back for anniversary, some of them anyway. Nice. And uh, they, we did a lot of fundraising through them. We started with scholarships. We gave a lot of scholarships. I can't take credit for the idea because actually I got the idea from John Gross, who raised money through the Fuffer Nutters. So we, we matched them and we did the same thing. So what was happening is, the employees that had kids in school that were academically high achievers, we gave donations to. Nice. Uh, well, I got a lot of flack with that because they said, well, why can't you give it to people that aren't high achievers? Maybe they need it more. Well, at that point, we decided, we talked to Kevin about it, and the hotel started a foundation. So this was how the uh, Hedonism Foundation wow. actually started. Nice. So what happens is now all the groups that raise money, they put it into one kitty. Uh, problem is that it didn't become very transparent at first because we were, were just get, weren't getting the information. But now with Diane taking over, you know, everything is going to be a little more transparent. We're going to start funding the uh, foundation again. Beautiful. Fantastic. So that's what happened with Super Bowl. Boy, I have long stories every time he asks me a question. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> well, Howard, we're... Can be pr- we're getting to the end of the show, and we have two more questions for you. The, okay. the, the first one is, is going to be, you know, what over the last 40 years is your most memorable experience that you have from Hito? But listen, you must have a lot of good memories because you've been back 127 times, so I think you're I'll right. You They're all pretty be- good. I'll tell you what my best memory is. Okay, I got it. Okay. It was my 100th trip at Hito. Uh, we had the most amazing party in the Pastafari that you could ever imagine. They invited all the old GMs to come in, some of the old hotel managers. They brought in a special chef for a cook, so they had two chefs there, and it was the most phenomenal party you ever want to attend. It was great. Uh, They uh, presented me with a chair. (laughs) Nobody knows where it is anymore, but it's the most... It's the biggest chair you ever want to see in your life made of wood. The uh, carver down on the beach made it for me, Mm -hmm. uh, Chris. 
and it was gigantic with my name on the top of it. Wow. But when they renovated, uh, they put the chair somewhere and nobody knows where it is. Oh, that's so, too bad. So that was my most memorable. Oh, very cool. Uh, my second most memorable occasion was when they brought in, was the 10th anniversary at Hedo. Gary Williams was the general manager, and it was the most phenomenal one-week party you could ever imagine. They had Mardi Gras. They brought in a soca band. Uh, they had bands galore every week. They had bands coming in marching. It was the most phenomenal party you ever want to see. Wow. Uh, Gary Williams loved this stuff, and he still likes it. Mm. You know? And uh, it was, those are my two favorite times, wow. I have to admit. Very, very it wasn't cool. anything. It wasn't anything sexual because I told you I was always five minutes too late. <laughs> I got it. That's the theme of the show. That's okay. So, listen. The final question for you today is that you know one of the anomalies of hedonism is the number of repeat offenders. What do you think is what keeps people coming back to Hedo over and over again? The groups, number one, and the camaraderie. All right. It's certainly now the food is good, but it certainly never was for the food. It certainly was never for the accommodations. It was always from the camaraderie. People naked have no status. Right. They're all the same. Yeah. Right. No materialism. So it doesn't matter whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, an Indian chief, or a maintenance man for the city of New York. Nobody cares. All they care about is your personality. If you're nice, they'll be nice with you. You know yourself. You can meet everybody at Hedo if you want to. Yes. You know, if, if you go down to the pool and you walk up to somebody and say hello, they're going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. right. They're going to talk to you. They're not worried about your status. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's why I think they keep coming back. They have the highest repeat rate in the Caribbean. Yeah, they do. And uh, you can't you can't get a reservation over anniversary. You can't get a reservation over Valentine's Day because the same people come back all the time. And that's the other thing. You can be assured that if you go back the same time every year, you're going to meet up with all your friends. Right. There's probably not one trip that I've gone on, and I, I've been up, I've been there five or six times in a year. There's not one trip that I've been there that I didn't know at least a half a dozen people. Right, right, for sure. So you could be assured that you're going to know everybody. Right. And I, I just want to go and, and build on the point that you just made, Howard, because you're talking about, you know, the resort is full and it, it is almost at 80% year round. But we got this past winter the chance to spend 89 days there when the resort was really not very full. There were weeks where there was 50 people and kudos to Harry for keeping the resort open um, during COVID and doing all the things he could to um, one, keeps the staff employed and give the guests, especially while we were there, there were a lot of first responders, a lot of doctors, a lot of people who needed to get away. And it was it was such an intimate setting. And we've been there when the place is full with 580 people and the parties and everything were going on. But we were there almost in Harry's house, at Harry's backyard. And all the guests that were there, nobody said, oh, my God, I'm missing all the people. Everybody said, oh, it's so intimate. And they did beautiful dinners, special dinners around the water park. And we all got close and we all just got to know each other. And, you know, the resort is very different when there's only 50 or 60 people versus, like I said, 580. But the guests, nobody complained. No, Everybody nobody had complained. such a yeah. great, amazing time. Yeah. And that's all because of Harry. That's about the staff. And it's about the amazing guests who keep coming back again and again and again who make that experience at Hito what it's been for 40 years. What's interesting is that one of, any of the veterans there open their arms up to any newbies. Yes. Right. You know, they're, they're willing to take them under their wings. And But you're right. I mean, Harry went all out during the COVID. You know, he actually invited me down and I, I wouldn't fly at the time. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I, I played it safe, but he, yeah. he made fun of me plenty. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Howard. Uh, I know we can talk for hours and hours on end, but our slot is for one hour. And man, oh, man, was that a great show. Uh, it's a great way to wrap up all the shows we did about Hito's 40th anniversary. Um, Howard, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your stories. And, of course, we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. 
Boy, that one hour went pretty quick. It sure did, absolutely. <laughs> so remember to join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I, and I think we're going to add in Howard and Harry and all the staff at Hedo, send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Hedonism Show. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.